The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Steady Investor with Mark Vickery and Mitch Zacks. In our program today, we'll help you get started or continue to build your nest egg with some of the best practices for retirement planning. It's time to start right now. Here are your hosts, Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery. Welcome, listeners, to VoiceAmerica.com. This is The Steady Investor, sponsored by Zacks Investment Management. I'm your co-host, Mark Vickery. And today I am joined by Zach's strategist, Dave Bartosiak, uh, who is a, a market analyst and Zach's strategist, as I said. He's also got a Twitter feed, Bartosiastics. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good. Good. Very good. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely day here in Chicago. Um, we are going to talk about uh, the market. We're going to be talking about the ups, the downs, the potentials, uh, what we're looking for. Uh, before, before we get started, though, I wanted to tell our listeners uh, if you'd like to speak to a representative at Zach's Investment Management, uh, please call this number, 800-245-2934. Uh, we have an email address that is ZimInfo, that's Zim for Zach's Investment Management, ZimInfo at Zach's.com, uh, or visit our site, ZimWealth.com. Okay, Dave, we're looking pretty good. I'm seeing the Dow up over 100 points today, the NASDAQ's plus 16, S&P plus 9. I'm not sure if it's changed in the last few minutes. Uh, uh, we're looking at maybe 2200 on the S&P soon. Um, we're, things, are, things are good, yeah? Yeah, right around the corner. I think that uh, those non-farm payroll numbers we got last week mm -hmm. um, were a definite shot in the arm. Plus, you know, not only did they come out, what was it, 255K for last week mm -hmm. for, uh, for the previous month, but they revised the numbers for the month before that, right, to 292,000. So jobs are strong across the board, and um, I think you're seeing the market kind of rejoice as a result. Not really jumping out of its seat and going crazy, but this is just kind of the continuation of that slow accumulation following the, the Brexit bottom. And this is the way the market's been trading. It hasn't been gangbusters up a, a whole bunch in a day, only to give it back, which we saw a lot more volatility, let's say, six months ago or something like that. Sure, and that's why the VIX is at you know 11 and a half or wherever it is today. Mm -hmm. the, the, the SIBO volatility index is just, it's so low. Um, that uh, I know the guys over there at the SIBO are frustrated by it because uh, it's tough to make a buck when you're trading volatility <laughs> when there is none, right? Yeah, trying to work the options, it's not so easy to get No, those. but uh, the good news is that that makes for kind of smooth sailing here, you know, across uh, across the major indexes in, in the market. There's no troubling signs with that, actually, quite the opposite. But there's no contrarian view saying a, a low VIX is, uh, is not good for a, a longer-term outlook of the market. Right, because essentially that VIX is measuring the, uh, you know, the amount of, index options being bought and sold, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's an oversimplification of it. I just sure. want everybody to know that. Um, but so so when you see the VIX kind of at these, these very low levels, pretty much historically low levels, right, for extended periods of time, you shouldn't really be too nervous because, I mean, it's just saying that, you know, investors are kind of complacent today, right? Mm -hmm. But then VIX can change on a dime. And when that thing spikes up through 30, then now all of a sudden you know, okay, now, now maybe this move is for real. So really it's a good way to kind of filter out the signals that the market's giving you. 
is this something actually significant or do I just kind of ignore this kind of thing? So with the VIX below 30, that's when it's kind of smooth sailing for everything and kind of normal, you know, it's normal volatility, everything's just fine. Right, okay, and uh, we were saying, we're talking about jobs for a while. You know, over the past 12 months, we're averaging over 200,000 new jobs per month. So as long as that continues and it doesn't look like there's anything really impeding that, we should be able to continue seeing these positive uh, days in the market. Yeah, yeah and if, if you think about it, from a global central bank perspective, right? Everybody's worried about inflation, right? Trying to get these inflation numbers up, right? right? Even our own central bank, we're kind of targeting 2%, right? And how are we gonna get to 2%? Well, you're gonna need the jobs growth that's gonna put enough pressure on wages so you get the wage push inflation, which is actually, actually start pushing through the market and getting things going. Right. Um, so I think that's why you see investors rejoice at these job numbers consistently is because they're just hoping eventually that you know these wages are going to tick up. So I think if you dig into these reports, a tick up in wages um, is going to cause a much more bullish response than just the headline number. Okay. All right. So when we start to see that more substantially, um, that's when you're really going to see the market go nuts, I think. And then we're going to have to, then we'll probably start seeing the Fed talking more uh, firmly about raising interest rates with something they haven't done this year. Sure, sure, but you know, really, if you look at some of the, some of the arguments against what the Fed has been doing, have been centered around, oh, it's been too late, and then when inflation hits, it's going to go absolutely bonkers, and they're going to have to raise aggressively, right? Right. But in the early stages of this cycle of their tightening cycle, the market's going to do fantastic, right? Because okay. it is this whole threat of inflation, and inflation is great for equities because it shows up in equity prices. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, especially, I mean, it depends on the index, right? But if you're talking like the small caps with the Russell, um, inflate, it's easier for them to pass inflation on to their customers because they're smaller, kind of more agile companies than it is for some of the, you know, the, the big dogs out there. Okay. Very interesting. And let's talk about, uh, specifically within the market then we're seeing a breakout in tech, uh, basically, uh, through basically Q2 earnings season. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And historically, when you saw tech, it was more, if you saw tech breaking out as the market was at all time highs, then what you're saying is, oh, that's pretty obvious, it's, it's high beta. So of course the you know the tech sector is gonna do better when the market is doing great, right? It just makes sense. It's sort of like a multiplier, right? Right. It just provides leverage. Um, but that's changing now as the NASDAQ and companies within the NASDAQ have matured. So rather than being the fly-by-night companies that might make money in 20 years, it's 20 years later and they are making money. Right. So they've matured now. The the you know the Googles of the world the Amazons of the world, right? They're starting to actually make money, not just promise they're gonna make they money. They used to be lumped in with the gifts.com uh, companies that are no, no longer. Sure, I mean, you can name 100 of them, right? Sure, that's right, absolutely. Um, so, all right, so uh, what, like, let's name some uh, specific, I don't, you know, they're obvious companies too, I think. Facebook, Amazon, these are the ones that have really put it together and monetized what they were promising back in the day. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that the Facebook story has been among the most impressive. Um, because of just all the situation, the whole circumstances, uh, all the circumstances surrounding the IPO. So, you know, it came out that day was absolutely terrible, right? Yeah. I remember the IPO. Get, I remember that. Too. I remember trying to get filled and having no idea where we got filled. And then as they came back, you know, two days later and said, "Oh, uh, seventy or whatever it was. <laughs> it was some absurd number. And it was right? down it was to like, like top ticked everybody, right?" And it was absolutely disastrous. It was a big, huge black eye embarrassment for, for the NASDAQ there for a while. 
Um, and, and it took a little bit for investors to get comfortable again. Right? And we know where their big question mark, mark was back then, too, as far as their business. Uh, and it was in mobile. They had a mobile problem, quote unquote. Yeah, a big time thing, right? And, and it's funny how, you know, sometimes these analysts, they can't really see, they can't see what, what, the, what the guru sees, right? So that's part of the genius of like a Mark Zuckerberg is like, it's like, relax, I'll build the users and then I'll figure out how to monetize it where they want the monetization instantly, right? Sure. Like I need it today, you need to get charge them right now. It's and like, that's consistent with Facebook as well because he always offered it for free, which is another genius stroke on his part. Well, it worked, right? Right, exactly, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, and it's continuing. So so now what, what what's happening is before when it was this kid dressing up in a hoodie going into the boardroom that people kind of write off as this weird sort of Silicon, you know, Silicon Valley crazy guy. Now all of a sudden he's this shrewd visionary. And so you're putting more faith in his ability in the future to just monetize further and grow that company more. Well, I think he went with the hoodie because Steve Jobs was still wearing the t-shirt back then to the board meeting. Well, that's what it was. Right? He, <clears> had that's to, right. he had to be a little bit different. We saw Alibaba too, they just reported earnings. Um, and again, their mobile was super, super strong. And that was a huge uh, part of why they were did better than analysts did expect it. Yeah, and that's the thing is when you look at these reports, especially with tech companies, right? It's not as easy as just looking at um, you know your your traditional kind of brick and mortar guy saying, okay, where are your revenues? What's your EPS? You know, and uh, what you know what's your guidance, right? Right. With these guys, they've got their own metrics that you're looking at. So with Alibaba, it's like just the gross value of all the goods that are sold on Alibaba. But then in certain reports, analysts really want to see what their percentage of mobile sales is, what that growth is, where they're going to guide that. Because essentially, the, the internet is evolving. The way that people make purchases is evolving. And it is going mobile. And it is going video. And it is. So everything is just kind of changing. Um, so when you are along that path and you're making steps positively towards that, you're getting rewarded. In just a matter of years, a few years too, because it was all desktops and then quickly changed to laptops and now it's quickly changing even maybe more rapidly to mobile. Forever. Sure, well, I mean, and then you got the tablets, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. I, right. I guess what I do, I do like I do like the mom test, right? So you see what your parents are doing. How are they, you know? How are they progressing along? Yeah, how are they progressing along? Like, my, oh, mom's on Facebook. Okay, good, you know, <laughs> saw that. Um, but then how are, how are they taking all this data in now? And it's, they're on the couch with their tablets, right? Right. It's like, oh, okay. And then for millennials, everybody's always on the go and we get, you know, the fancy smartphones. So we're sitting on the train and, and we're taking it in, you know, via mobile and right. stuff like that. And then now it's like, do you, I don't know too many people that use their desktop, um, as their kind of primary source of, of getting information anymore. Right. I don't know except for at work right if you're at work and you have that sort of workstation and you're in there and that's almost like a personal preference kind of thing like you want to be in your little area mm -hmm. and you set up shop and it's but it's very much like a work like an enterprise kind of thing like i have my area i have my computer and then this is where i'm at um but I, I think for the average person when they're just kind of moving out and about around town it's just in the palm of their hand and it's just, oh, oh that's crazy, oh, you know? Right. It's, it's different. Let's talk about one of these other uh, tech phenomenons that we've seen in Q2 earnings season, that's Amazon. Uh, clearly, mm -hmm. I don't think you can talk about uh, the, the modern climate in, in, uh, in the market without talking about this huge company. Um, it's, but it's not necessarily, I guess, mobile too with, the, uh, with, its, uh, with its cloud AWS and that's been a gigantic uh, grower for them. As well as having spent all this money on um, 
what do they call those? Fulfillment centers. Sure. Which are basically warehouses that are nearby where you live, so you get um, next day delivery. Or day of. Day of. In some Manhattan, cases. you get an hour delivery. Yeah. I mean, you get it You get it around here, too, which is pretty exciting. Is that right? So, yeah. Okay. So some, guy, some guy in a minivan, you know, <laughs> drives over, and there's your razor. You know, you're too lazy to walk across the street. We're used to just guys get. selling big speakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's okay, – maybe just self-explanatory. Everybody knows Amazon. Everybody knows how great it is. Can we get into a little bit more of the detail of what – or maybe what to expect, too? Um, yeah, so the Amazon story has been great over the last year and a half or so as they've started to evolve this AWS, their cloud services. And that was a huge driver, not just for Amazon, but kind of the big tech stocks across the board. Microsoft saw their cloud revenue double. Um, and uh, of course, Amazon had another fantastic quarter with the cloud. And then that was actually part of Alibaba's thing. They, they've got a little cloud service going on sure. over there. It's basically anything Amazon does, they're going to come. They're the Amazon there, of China, right? are they yeah, not? Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. And they'll probably never get sick of hearing that. Um, <laughs> but so, so that it, it made you kind of rethink Amazon in almost these two different separate worlds, but they, but they still collide. So you have this huge cloud services thing. It's just this, the, that's been fantastic for them. Tons of growth there. But then you have their traditional business of this is our website and we're going to ship goods to you real quick. So they're, they have this competitive advantage in the marketplace sort of on, on the website and amazon.com. Um, because I mean, think about it. You have you know the Alexa thing. Is that that's Amazon, right? That's that's Alexa. Oh God, I hope so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> With the Echo, you know, in okay. the middle of the room, and then you can talk to it. I'm oh, sure that's right. Alexa. I think that's. I, I think your called. name is Alexa. I, I think that's right. I mean, it's so confusing. You got Alexa. You got Cortana. You got you yeah, know, and Siri, of course. And Siri, yeah, weird names, by the way. Well, they don't want to be named after stage names. All three of them. Really. <laughs> Cortana. I am Cortana. Anyway, so um, I I. Having sort of the distribution centers in, in or fulfillment centers in these major metropolitan areas was just kind of the logical next evolution for where Amazon was going to go. Because Bezos wants you to be able to just – he's playing on your instant gratification that people just want, right? Not need, but want. want. And now. they're willing to pay a little bit more for it. Like, mm -hmm. just give it to me right now. I got it. Boom. Right. Um, so the quicker that he can bring that into your everyday life – you know, the better off it's going to be for everybody, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, for listeners to The Steady Investor right now, we have a number you can call, and you can speak right to Dave Bartosiak or, or myself um, at, if you call, 866-472-5790. Uh, we're going to take a break in just a few minutes, but let's keep talking a little bit now. We also had Q2 earnings from... Uh, from other retailers, and by and large, they haven't done very well. The big boxes, and I think they're probably having their lunch eaten by Amazon to a certain extent. However, we did see a big beat uh, from Macy's this morning. I don't know if you have any uh, comments on that, but some of the be some of the big boxes uh, retailers are not necessarily struggling quite the same way that uh, that that others are. You know, I, I think the Macy's number or the, the the reaction we've seen is Macy's stock is more of a function of them coming in and saying, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cut 100 stores." They did that, right? Yeah, because um, they're showing that yes, they can be, they get, they can come in and um, they they can kind of finesse things, right? They don't have to move so slowly. If they need to, they can go ahead and trim here and adjust. And I think that's what the market wants to see. They want you to see that you're making moves and being proactive about things. They don't want you to be Sears and wait until it was too late, right? right. And just keep on holding on, and the next thing you know, you know, every, they're closing all over the place, and you're selling off, you know, your your brands and all that. But the revenues were big, better than expected for the last three months. Uh, the earnings beat, but pretty significantly as well. Um, so I, I, 
I don't know. Do we have any quick answers? I guess maybe not. We know Amazon is taking a lot of that retail space, though. Yeah, but there's still something to be said about the experience of going to the mall and hanging mm -hmm. out. So I think what you're going to see these brick and mortars guys, the ones that do well, are the ones that um, will go ahead and, and get out there and and create an experience that people want to have at their store. Sure. Right? Um, and then the other thing is there's still kind of this undercrust, so to speak, where they're able to make this money. So like Macy's. Macy's isn't Nordstrom's, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then if you look at Kohl's, like Kohl's had some great numbers. That's right. Season. They did too. That's right. And uh, I love Kohl's, right? All right. But you can't find anything with a brand name in Kohl's, right? I'm sure the Kohl's people are going to be furious at me right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm not getting my Ralph Lauren polos from Kohl's. I think you know going in what to expect from going to Kohl's, though, correct? I mean, yeah, you do. And it's perfect for what it is. And that's why people like it. Right. And part of the shopping experience is Kohl's. Like, you get there, you get to the register, and they're like, oh, guess what? Here's a 20% off coupon. And you're like, yes, this is awesome. Right. right? So it's like the whole the whole thing of, of going to Kohl's. So, so Macy's needs to make it so that there's an experience coming into their store, and you actually like being there, and it's something that you can enjoy. And uh, apparently they're doing an okay job doing that right, right. now. As you guys, you mentioned before, you're not getting that from Sears or Kmart anymore, really. So. No, and I think the thing is, you know, here in Chicago, we're always going to have that Macy's bias, right? I don't know about you. With the Marshall Fields. Like, shouldn't be Marshall Fields. I'm not going to Macy's. <laughs> right? It's like a Chicago thing. Right. <laughs> uh, for listeners who would like to speak to a representative at Zach's Investment Management, call 800-245-2934. Or you can email us for more information at ziminfo at zax.com. Uh, we also have zimwealth.com. That's, uh, that's the website that you can check out. Um, this is The Steady Investor. This is Mark Vickery. I'm joined by Dave Bartosiak, um, who is a Zach strategist and market analyst. And he also has a Twitter feed uh, called Bartosiastics, and that is B-A-R-T-O-S-I-A-S-T-I-C-S. You needed to make that a little more confusing for people to understand how to spell it. You know, that's what I try to do. <laughs> but it's uh, Bartosiak uh, Statistics, I believe. And that's and what do you go into with the, with the uh, Twitter feed? Well, the Twitter feed is just kind of, uh, you know, what it is I'm seeing there um, in the markets that, that second, that day. I try to also kind of keep it sort of lighthearted, right? I like to throw my videos out there and, um, you know, just other interesting tidbits that I've seen from various media outlets. So you get some, some, I try not to keep, you know, there's not too much personal stuff on there, right? I try to keep it more business. All right. You know, a little, it's PG, it's rated PG, maybe PG 13. Um, <laughs> but you're so going to get good and good, valuable information about the market. Absolutely. Okay. That's terrific. Yeah. Once once again, this is the steady investor on VoiceAmerica.com, sponsored by Zach's investment management. We're going to be right back after a, a break and please call that number 866 472-5790 to speak with me or with Dave Bartosiak. We'll be right back after this break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. Whether you need help with financial planning 
or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan, give us a call at 800-245-2934. Or to learn more, go to ZimWealth.com. Again, that number is 800-245-2934. Or go to ZimWealth.com. Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to voiceamerica.com. This is The Steady Investor. Sponsored by Zach's Investment Management, I'm Mark Vickery. Joined today by Zach's strategist, Dave Bartosiak. Uh, we were talking about a great uh, Q2 earnings season, a really robust stock market lately. Uh, but Dave, I want to swing this over now and talk about what risks might be on the horizon uh, looking forward. And I think nobody who's really a responsible investor is going to just say everything's going to be great forever. Uh, what, are we, yeah. what are the storm clouds that we're looking toward? You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was doing. I have a pretty big write-up I do on Wednesday, um, and I, I was trying. You know, in this world now, we had for so long the sort of battle between the earnings recession and the dovishness of central banks. Mm-hmm. And the dovish central banks were enough to kind of win, win out above earnings. But then during earnings season, we'd be chopping back and forth, and you know, had a lot of volatility. Experienced a lot of volatility over the last couple of quarters. Because if you look at Q4 of last year, we mm-hmm. had a six percent contraction in earnings on the S&P 500. Mm. In Q1, we had a six and a half percent contraction in earnings on the S&P 500. And right now, it looks like it's going to be we're pacing 3.4 percent contraction, something like that. Okay. Right? But if you pull energy out of the equation, you're talking a 20 or 30 bip growth in the S&P 500. Okay. So it seems like we've turned the corner on this whole earnings recession thing, right? Held back by energy exclusively? Yeah, I mean, primarily. Primarily. Maybe, maybe not exclusively, but pri- I mean, that's a and big And they have job. tributaries into every other business pretty much anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've kind of had this um, looming over our heads, right? And with that, with that leaving the picture now, then, then what do you turn to? You look at jobs, right? That was the one thing, like maybe, oh, maybe there's a situation with jobs brewing here because mm. of that report a couple months ago, you know, well, it came in kind of soft. It right? was the, uh, the non-farm payroll at like 11K for May or something. freaking out, right? It raised since, but it's, it was still a weak month, no doubt. Right. Know? Everybody's freaking out about that. Then we have a good one, you know, and then now two, two great ones in a row now. Well, not great ones, two good ones in a row. Right. So now that's gone, right? The market's already told you they are not worried about the election at all. At this stage, right. If you take a look at the the VIX curve, you go out, there's no jump in the VIX. It's flat through you know November and December. It doesn't really jump until January. That basically tells you nobody cares right, about the election. Okay. Um, 
so what's the next it, what's the next thing like what could we possibly be worried about all right now there's always something to be worried about sure right? sure um and if you if you look at you know mark favor dr doom right mm-hmm. you know it's we're gonna have a 50 percent drop in the s p right <laughs> everything's gonna go to heck in a handbasket it's all over um but I, I think one of the things that people have brought up is kind of the, the drop in productivity. Right. That's a recent. This week they uh, reported less than uh, worse than expected productivity. Yeah. So that's not good. Um, and then also I like to point out that the recovery in GDP terms percentage wise has been like the weakest pretty much ever. Right. We, it's a long recovery, but a very, very weak one. Correct? Right. So, so those are kind of those are kind of the risks that are on the table here. Is that yeah, even though we're feeling like everything's so great, it's not that fantastic. We're not exactly booming right here. So perhaps we are slowing, and things are kind of starting to going to turn down here eventually. Well, let's talk about productivity because that's obviously very important. We have good jobs numbers, but lower productivity. So how does that jive? How do you think it jives? So I, I think, okay, if you you know you can look at these headlines. Right, and it can frighten you. So productivity falls for the third consecutive quarter. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh no, that's that's not a good thing. Right? It, it isn't a good thing. Terrible. Okay, but how are you calculating productivity? Right? All right, it's essentially you know your your hourly output per worker. So what you're taking is pretty much is like the GDP growth versus the labor force growth. Right, right. That's essentially what you're looking at. So if you're not getting those huge jumps in GDP percentage-wise, but you are seeing kind of leaps and bounds in the job additions, right, right. new jobs, then that's going to throw this ratio out of whack. And it's going to throw it out of whack in terms of dropping that productivity number. So essentially what you're saying is at this stage in the game, we're hiring a lot of people but not seeing a huge jump in GDP. Is there a lag typically with this? Well, this is very indicative of where we are in the cycle right now, right? We're not in the early stages of a, of a rebound of an economic recovery. These productivity numbers go through the roof because the GDP numbers go up prior to the jobs being added on, right? Okay. Because employers are reactive pretty much. They look, they, they see what's going on and then they go ahead and they start investing and in, in bringing, bringing more people on. So you're still kind of seeing that because things have been okay, not fantastic, but okay. Employers are adding new new workers and new jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for where we are sort of at this stage in the recovery, this is totally this is totally reasonable to see. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's pretty much on par with what you would expect. Okay. Well, um, we're also seeing uh, when you're talking about the US uh, labor market, you have a bunch of baby boomers who are beginning the retirement phase. They're getting out of the workforce. They are probably quite productive, I would imagine, on average. When you're bringing in new, let's say, millennials, I don't mean to crack on any particular, but you're going to get newer, greener uh, employees who probably aren't as productive initially. Could that have something to do with the gap here? It maybe, you know. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I never even thought about thought about the actual demographics of who's getting new jobs versus who's not right but i guess i guess we'll have to see here because then that that would show up in the productivity numbers because eventually people getting jobs for the first time or getting better jobs or getting out of mom and dad's basement right right can therefore start spending more money on goods and services which should bump that top line number on the gdp 
So that's something that might play itself out over the next, you know, be worth looking at. Um, and then, of course, the participation rate would, I think, be indicative of that, too. Right. And right now we're about 63% or so. And that's been kind of slowly sort of ticking down a little bit, right? Yeah. But again, we have a ton of baby boomers retiring that's you know, right. each and every day. So that's got a little something to do with it. And now that the market's rallied, they're much more comfortable retiring. That's true. I wonder if that has something to do with maybe now's the time to step off. Whereas before, they might think, well, I'll work until I'm 75 until this market turns around. Yeah, I mean that's the, but but the other thing is that's surprising is you know as they're retiring, so then you would have kind of you would think that a lot of assets would start to get shifted into less risky positions, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think what's happened is over the last several years, so many people have already made those moves that you're not going to see this huge shift. It's not like they're flipping the switch. It's because they've been paranoid for the last six years, coming up seven years, coming off this bottom. Right. So. Okay. Uh, let's interrupt real quick. I just wanted to tell our listeners of the study of the study investor. Uh, if you'd like to speak to a representative at Zach's Investment Management, call this number 800-245-2934. Um, or you can contact us via email at ZimInfo. That's Zim for Zach's Investment Management. ZimInfo at Zach's.com. We also have ZimWealth.com and that is the website to check out. Feel free to do so um, while you're listening to The Steady Investor here on voiceamerica.com. Oh, also, if you'd like to call into the show right now and speak to Dave Bartosiak or myself, you can call 866-472-5790. Okay, we were talking about risks on the horizon uh, looking forward um, in the second half of 2016 and beyond, I believe. Um, we talked about jobs. Uh, how about retail and restaurants? Uh, are they in trouble this earnings season? We're not seeing great numbers as we were talking about a little bit before. Um, Shake Shack dropped the ball, um, but it seems like bigger fast food places are doing all right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because before we used to just kind of lump in, okay, restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. And it was all just one thing. But now it's like there's so many different tiers of restaurants that are out there, right? So we've got your traditional sort of fast food places, the Wendy's, quick the service McDonald's, now, right? quick service, right? You've got all that, right? The Burger Kings. And, but then you have this fast casual. Mm-hmm. So your your Chipotle's of the world, and then in but in this fast casual came this whole slew of new companies that are like we've got the best burger ever. And yeah. We're going to charge you for this premium burger. So instead of spending five bucks at McDonald's, you're going to spend fifteen dollars to get our you know at our Shake burger Shack or our fries, or Red Robin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and the list goes on and on. And you had so many companies that came to market with that um, that that went public. Yeah, and so now. They have to. This is what the second or third quarter of them reporting actual earnings here as a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. So now you're under the microscope, and sort of the lag time, specifically with Shake Shack, right? You had um, after the IPO this huge expansion in all these new markets, right? Or right. leading up to the IPO, all these new markets. You got a Shake Shack at Old Orchard Mall, fantastic, nice and close to me. <laughs> um, and all over the place, popping up. There's one downtown here. Um, and then, but you started looking at the same store sales numbers and they're just not where they used to be. Right. right. So now that's a major concern. Year over year it's, comps. Or are you talking quarterly? How are we doing? Year over year comps. Okay. I think on, on, cause they're looking at a lot of their established sort of New York restaurants that sure. they had. And then now year over year, it's just not there's The growth just isn't there that they thought was going to be there. So now that leads everybody to go, oh, man, well, that means that Old Orchard store is not going to do so well. The one in downtown Chicago is not going to do so well. So what it's effectively doing, it's taking a growth premium that was through the roof 
mm-hmm. you know, that justified a huge valuation and now is shrinking that. And whenever you pull the rug out from that growth valuation, that growth premium that's in there, you usually have a rough time in the actual underlying stock. Okay. Do you see any M&A activity for companies like this? They might join with another smaller firm? It's got to take a while. Yeah. It can't just happen right away. I mean, think about how few, how little M&A there's been in the oil EMPs. Where you think that would have been scooped up. Yeah. So it takes a while for these guys to, to just you know, wave the white flag and just say, okay, forget it. Somebody come get us. Right. Right. Um, it takes a while for that to work itself out. Um, so right now I think they're still in this sort of aggressive expansion mode where, where they're trying to, you know, get to all these different markets, um, and bring their, you know, those premium burger, burger products out there. Right. Okay. Um, and, uh, so anyway, so, so you had the kind of this high flying growth area of restaurants. Now, another tailwind for the industry has been, the shift towards spending on going out and experiences versus items, right? So I, I saw sort of a longer term chart of- And that goes back to your discussion before on retail, uh, just in a general sense. Exactly, right? exactly. So rather than, um, you know, the amount of spending that people, the percentage of the spend of the wallet spent on internet and experiences, restaurants, things like that, mm-hmm. versus just your typical brick and mortar retailer, you know, they're just moving in opposite directions. So they have been. And part of that is we're going back to the millennials here, but people, you throw out millennials, but everybody's doing it. Okay. Everybody's kind of changing where now they're, they're, they're going out, they're traveling more. They're, they would rather have an experience than have a thing. Right. Um, so, so you're seeing, so, so a major tailwind of this is people going out and spending a bunch of money at restaurants all the time. Right. Okay. Um, so that's the only reason why you were able to have these sorts of stocks and companies pop up is like, okay, I can go, I, like, I want a burger, but I don't want a McDonald's burger. Mm-hmm. Like, I want something good. And then so they're willing to spend $15 at a Shake Shack and get something that, that's good because they're already out and they're enjoying themselves and it's like a thing, right? Sure. Um, but eventually that kind of wears off. It's like, how many Shake Shack burgers are you going to have? Right, right, until that doesn't become a unique experience any longer. Right, exactly. And then so, but you have a bunch of these type of restaurants. We were just talking about it. You know, the, the right around the corner, there's a barbecue place where everybody's going to, right? And that's a fast, casual kind of place, right? I know you're sorry that you're missing this. Yeah, that's okay. I'm <laughs> drooling all over. It's all right. I'm going to just chase down a bottle of barbecue sauce and just chug it in the street when I get out of here. Um, but no, so there's, so there's that. You got... Um, uh, what's the other one? Oh man, this is gonna bug me. There's a Mediterranean place that's uh, opened oh, up recently. The publicly not, traded one. Not, 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 not. Well, not. there's Nafnaf Nof here. There's you know Pita Inn. There's I Dream of Falafel. Right, all the funny names. <laughs> there's there's uh, the publicly traded one. I'm gonna forget. I'll, I'll figure it out before the show's okay, over. Okay, great. Um, anyway, we're a, gonna say like a Mediterranean it. cafe sort of place. So okay. so things are changing. They're evolving. Um, and, and that's why these, these restaurants are able to enter the space, but eventually it just kind of runs out of gas, right? Noodles and company is a good one. Okay. I like to talk about or how awesome noodles and company was when it first came out. Sure. Right. And when's the last time you've been in noodles and company? Indeed. Right. Cause okay. it doesn't become such a special experience anymore over time. It, right. it kind of, it evens out. It doesn't become a special experience and they start cheapening. They start cutting corners. And then suddenly the food just isn't what it used to be. Well, they're looking after the shareholders. Then, they don't want to lose them. Exactly. And that's what happens. So that's what happens. So if companies can resist that, still bring the quality, because there is room for a company like that. Right? Sure. 
there of course there's room for that. But it's just a question of, and it's not like this is the first. Shake Shack's not the first restaurant out there that had like a fast casual sort of experience that gave you premium burgers. Shake Shack, Shake Shack, you know, has been. I mean, not Shake Shack, Steak and Shake, Steak and Shake, Steak and Shake has been around for a while. Has. And that's kind of in that vein, except they don't have awesome, you know, interior decorators coming in and making you feel like you're cool. All right, <laughs> it's the old, it's the old world, the old style experience from the 50s. Yeah, the Mediterranean place I was thinking. That's Zoe's Kitchen. Zoe's Kitchen. Okay, yeah, sure. Zoe's Kitchen. We don't have them here yet. Okay, but we do. We have covered them uh, yeah. at Zach's. I know that. Oh yeah, for sure. They're in the south. I think I, I I've had them before. Um, that's kind of a fantastic sort of sort of branding thing because they're going towards kind of your uh, your middle class working woman sort of thing. Okay. Right. So that you, you come in there and you get like a huge meal for the whole family and then you know here you go this is our Mediterranean, huge Mediterranean feast that we've got going on. So their average ticket is much higher than just somebody like you know running around downtown Chicago and you didn't get something to eat. And also maybe salads and grilled chicken and that sort of thing. Exactly. That's their whole target. You know where they're where they're going towards, and they've seen some pretty good pretty good numbers there. I, I don't know if they've reported this quarter yet. I'll have to check that out. Okay, yeah, this would be around the time that the uh, that the restaurants seem to be reporting. Yeah, and that's so. Those are some of the risks that we have to the market. Is if these guys start blowing up mm-hmm. this quarter, because it could happen this quarter. Okay, um, then then you could kind of get that that trade where you see, okay, well, if that guy's blowing up, that guy's blowing up, we got to sell off all of these fast casual places. Okay, very interesting. Okay. Are you listening to The Steady Investor here on voiceamerica.com? I'm Mark Vickery. I'm joined by uh, Zach strategist Dave Bartosiak. Um, we are discussing the market, and we are going to take a short break in a minute. Uh, we were just talking about uh, U.S. productivity, and we're talking about Q2 earnings. I think when we come back from break, Dave, I want to talk about something that's a lot of fun, and we can even uh, talk about some companies from Brazil. We're talking about the Olympics. We're talking about uh, the fun in the sun um, for the 2016 uh, Summer Olympics that's going on right now. Uh, but for right now, uh, I just wanted to say uh, let's take a break, and uh, here's the number also to call if you want to uh, speak to Dave um, uh, here in the studio, 866 472 5790. We'll patch you right in. You can ask your question. And for listeners who would like to speak to a representative at Zach's Investment Management, call 800-245-2934. Or for more information, you can email us at ziminfo at zax.com. We'll be right back after a short break. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Steady Investor Show is brought to you by Zach's Investment Management, a wealth management boutique formed over 23 years ago and manages several billions of dollars for thousands of customers. At Zach's, we believe acting in your best interest is our obligation. Zach's focuses on providing solutions and listening to our clients' needs. With trust in the financial industry at an all-time low, we find this focus to be a key differentiator for our firm. We're based in Chicago and have a team of advisor representatives located across the country to help you with your retirement planning. Whether you need help with financial planning or looking for a second opinion on your retirement plan, give us a call at 800-245-2934. Or to learn more, go to ZimWealth.com. Again, that number is 800-245-2934. Or go to ZimWealth.com. 
Fast performance is no guarantee of future results. Potential for loss exists in any investment. Material is for informational purposes only. It is not investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice. A recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. No advice is given about a strategy's suitability for a particular investor. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. listening to The Steady Investor. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to cgaitan at zax.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Steady Investor, sponsored by Zach's Investment Management. This is Mark Vickery with, with Dave Bartosiak, Zach's strategist and market analyst. Um, Dave, we were talking, we were mentioning before the break that we we're going to talk about the Rio Olympics. Uh, you have a great YouTube clip, and I uh, advise all of, all of our listeners to check this out on YouTube. Uh, Brazilian stocks to buy for the Rio Olympics. It's hilarious. It's got your face superimposed over uh, one of the Brazilian dancing girls, and it's it's hilarious. Uh, let's can we let's let's start there. Let's talk about what that, that wasn't a graphic. I was actually dressed up like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so what when you're talking about uh, stocks to buy for the Rio Olympics, there you could talk about things that are in Rio or in Brazil, of which they have a very large economy. It's not doing sure. particularly well. Got some problems in the government over there too. Yeah. Um, but uh, what what so what was the focus of that YouTube? So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There are 25 Brazilian ADRs that are traded here in the U.S. Okay. That's a really big chunk, and a lot of them are a lot you know smaller companies that you may not want to mess around with. Um, but one of the ones that kind of just jumped out at me, and the reason why I had to do the video, we've been hearing a lot about the water quality in Rio mm. because you know the rowers, the sailors, and, and have to go to the have to go to the bay there. And that's pretty much where they dump all the sewage in Rio is into the bay. It's a giant port, really. Yeah, so it was nasty. Okay. I, I mean, it, they said last year, leading up to the Olympics, they tested the water quality, and it had 1.7 million times the acceptable amount of bacteria that uh, that they would shut down a California beach, right? That was the level. So take that, multiply it by 1.7 million, oh and gosh. that's where you were at in Rio, right? Wow. So it's basically just raw sewage, mm. um, which is pretty nasty. <laughs> third, third world raw sewage. I mean, that's that's about as terrible <laughs> as it gets. I wouldn't call Brazil third world, but I get your point. Yeah, um, developing world. I don't know what okay, the PC sure. term is that, anymore. That, that, that works. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so I got to thinking, and I said, well, I wonder if there's any companies that clean up the water in Brazil, right? Okay. Sure enough. Oh, um, so it's you know, and I hacked it apart in Portuguese trying to say it. It's like the Campanha de Sanamiento de Estadio Sao Paulo. Is this Sabesp? S A B E S P. Yeah, that's what I that's what I like to truncate it to the Sabesp, right? Okay. Essentially, it's the state sanitation utility company of Sao Paulo, which is not Rio, but it's right next to Rio. Sure. Okay. It's, it's the next big city over. Yeah, it's kind of right over. Um, so here's a utility, and, and my thinking was... And this is publicly traded in ADRs. Yeah, the on ticker the is SBS. SBS, okay. There's a ticker on that one. So my thinking, and they should report today, actually, should have some earnings out huh. there. Um, but my thinking was twofold. First, that you'd have people just buying all things Brazilian heading into the Olympics, 
right? Okay. And two, that there actually would be perhaps some longer-term benefit to this because of pressure put on by the Olympics, right? Maybe Brazil is like, oh, man, this was so terrible. We got to do something about this because, you know, this this is kind of embarrassing. Let's take care of it. Let's spend some money and get this No matter up. what it costs, we've got to clean it up for the Olympics. So. Right. So that was kind of my thinking. Um, and, it, and it did work out very well. Okay. Um, so, you know, the stock's been on a little bit of a tear here. I think it's, I think it, it went from like eight bucks to like nine and a quarter in a very short period of time. All right. Um, so that just made sense, right? Sure. And that's the kind of investing I think I love to do when you're actually thinking, right? And it's like, wait a minute, here's an economic trend that maybe, you know, should, should happen. And it's not just numbers. It's not just, you know, it, it's like fun to figure that out for your own. So you take the thing you're thinking about anyway, concerning yourself with anyhow, and then trying to find a practical application and apply that to the market. Yeah, exactly. And don't fall in love with it, right? If it didn't work out, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I was wrong, right? All right. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, come on, they got to clean that water. This thing's got to turn around, right? <laughs> just, just get rid of it if it didn't work out, but it worked out. What other companies in Brazil were you looking at? So, you know, you, or unless you want to finish up here with well, SPS. no, no, that's fine. So, so, so you got that, right? That actual Brazilian infrastructure play. Right. Okay. So that's great. Um, and, and then, but aside from that, you can, you can just buy Brazil as a whole, right? So they have that EW, they have the EWZ, right. which is a Brazilian ETF, right? Um, it, and if you think about kind of globally, real strong dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually that will subside. The dollar won't be as strong, right? We hope. Right. And so then you'll see the local currency start to appreciate, right? So the real would do well. Um, now, granted, EWZ is up an absurd amount of money this year. I, I want to say it's, I thought it was close to, I think it was over 30%. Wow. I think it's close to 40%. Do you think the Rio Olympics has something to do with that? I'm sure it does. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's also a function of how far they tumbled you know, heading into sure buying at bargain basement prices, right? So that had that had a lot to do with it too. Um, but I, I'm I'm a little bit worried about sort of the, the the short term, the legacy of the Olympics of what happens when this kind of goes away, right? And immediately a couple of months after, what's going to happen to Brazil? Okay, you know, because they do have a lot of turmoil politically that's taking place. Sure, um, corruption, Petrobras, which is the big oil concern there. Yeah, but I mean, but that's Brazil, right? I mean, I they, they sort of always had these problems, so it's almost good that they're rooting this out, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe now, you know, the populace is going to hold the government more accountable and make them invest in these infrastructure needs that they have. And it's a huge country. They've got tons of of resources, lots of sugarcane, lots of coffee, this and that, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I, I could I could see it on a practical level as well. Yeah, and it's one of the you know when you think of the big four developing nations, they're there. They're one of the bricks, right? They are one of the bricks. Yeah. That's right. They're the, they're the B the and B, brick. The B and brick. Very interesting. Um. So it's it's a story that I, I think you know eventually investors will come back to. Um. Once this sort of short term appeal of the U.S. starts to well, if it never goes away, right? I mean, the U.S. is just like the only game in town. You know, that's why we benefited so much from Brexit. It's just money's flowing over here to the U.S. That's why we have a strong dollar. Right. I mean, it's indicative of that. That's just like a calculation of the money flow. So if you have a huge strong dollar, that means a bunch of money has been coming over here. Well, you know, the steady investor, the name of this show. So that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for big 
wide swings. We want to see make sure that people are keeping the money they're investing and making incrementally more and more. Sure. Um, if you'd like to uh, speak to a representative at Zach's Investment Management, call 800-245-2934. You can also email us for more information at ziminfo at zax.com. That's zim for Zach's Investment Management. Uh, zimwealth.com is the website to check out as well. And if you'd like to talk uh, on this show, well, we've got a few minutes left, so please feel, feel free to call 866-472-5790. You can speak with Dave Bartosiak, who is a Zach strategist, uh, and uh, we're having fun today talking about this. Now, let's keep on this uh, Rio Olympics thing. We don't necessarily need to talk about Brazil, but let's talk about the obvious stocks that are have to do with uh, the Olympiad in a general sense, and that would be... Yeah, the Nikes Nike, and the Under Armors of right, the world. Right. Um, I love this story because... You know, I, I, I'm a closet, huge Nike fan, right? I've it's seen even some of the closet. sneakers. It's not a closet. It's everyday life everywhere I go. Jordan's on my feet all day, every day, right? Right. If Jordan made wingtips, right, it'd be perfect. <laughs> That's great. Um, but so so I guess I have to, you know, show my bias there, right? You know, I, I do you're love. A, you're a Nike guy. I am a Nike guy. I've always been a Nike guy. You don't have any Steph Currys. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, sir. All right, we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about Nike. How are they doing then? How was their Q2? So, so Nike, Nike's doing fantastic. The thing is they're, they're seeing a lot of growth. They, they think they're going to get even more growth in women's. Okay. So this is going to be a major focus of theirs, which is funny because now – so Lululemon, mm -hmm. right? Basically, Lulu started it. Well, essentially, Under Armour started it with this whole kind of – Yoga know, wear. Like yoga, you know, spandexy kind of cool stuff everybody was wearing. Then Lulu's like, oh, we could give this to women, right? Yeah. And let's let's just market towards yoga and this sort of, you know, the stay-at-home mom that you know wants to do yoga and you know push her stroller around Southport and sure. you know <laughs> that kind of thing. More another Chicago reference, right? And go to Zoe's, right? And go to Zoe's. <laughs> it's the same market, right? Okay. Um, but then, but but Lulu was really smart though too because again. They had the brick and mortar retail, but we got to make this into an experience. So you come to Lululemon, you're taking yoga classes in front of the Lululemon, right? And then getting product, um, getting product while you're doing it, and all sorts of cool stuff. Right. Anyway, so they built this whole thing, and then Under Armour and Nike are like, "Wait a minute, we want a piece of that market. That's sure. a great market to be in, and it's easy for us because we're already doing it for the men. So let's just kind of you know find our way over there. So that's why you started seeing." Under Armour sign, you know, Giselle, right? Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, she's a huge spokeswoman for them. Um, they did uh, Misty Copeland, who's a, a major famous ballerina. Okay. Um, to, to get in there, too. So so that's kind of their, that was kind of their plan, is that we do it through the stars and then go, go that way, right? And they have economies of scale that a company like Lululemon does not have. Right, right. So, so they're trying to muscle in that way. And then Nike, of course, is, well, heck, we can do this too, right? Yeah. And is trying to attack that, but in, in different ways. Surprisingly, Jordan Brand said one of their greatest kind of avenues for expansion is going to be into women's, right? Okay. Now, you're not going to be, you know, wearing Jordan yoga pants, right? I hope not. <laughs> um, but, but, but just kind of the athletic shoe brand, that whole kind of you know, the basketball brand, they, they can, they can expand that word. So mm -hmm. it's a big market, but, it, but it's putting some risks on the table for the likes of Lululemon, 
right? Because they are kind of the smaller of the three right now. I'm pretty sure they're still smaller than Under Armour. I would imagine. And Under Armour is writing checks like crazy, being very aggressive. I think Under Armour is like the one company now that is seen sort of as a threat to Nike's uh, supremacy. Well, as far as growth, I imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Nike's faced challenges from everybody, right? Yeah. Back in the day, you know, 40 years. Or- Larry Johnson and the Grandma Maz, right, <laughs> at Converse. Um, you know, initially Kobe Bryant went over to Adidas, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's all, of course, this is all the basketball world, but. Walter um, Payton had kangaroos, so there you are. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> um, so you've always had these brands sort of trying to, trying to challenge Nike, right? But none of them have really won, right, mm-hmm. or even come close to winning. No, um, and, and they might get popular for a little bit, but then it's just a flash in the pan, and they sort of—they don't necessarily die off, but they're just not, not there, right? It kind of reminds me like Skechers. Okay. So for a while there, Skechers was doing fantastic because they were starting to chew up big time market share, you know, in just the oh the, the gym shoe business, right? But they were chewing up. They were going from like you know fifty bips to one percent, right? Okay. So on paper, it's like oh, I got a hundred percent growth. It looks <laughs> right. fantastic. But in actuality, I mean, you're you're getting slivers of the pie. Yeah. Then they got to a stage of the game where it was like, okay, we got a decent chunk now. How do we get from you know four point eight percent to nine point six percent? And that's where it's not going to happen. Okay. Right. And it hasn't happened. And Skechers has just been a skid mark um, <laughs> on the sidewalk. You know, for the last few quarters, making some friends over there today. Too. Yeah, I know. They're gonna, everybody's gonna hate me today. <laughs> um, but I told I had a Nike bias, so of course, you know, just full. I don't even own Nike shares, but I have a Nike bias. Sure. I could own half a Nike. My closet is a huge Nike shareholder. Right? <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, anything else about the, um, you know, with the with the Rio Olympics being the theme? Um, it's fun to talk about, but it also has some practicality as well. Is there anything else that uh, maybe we haven't uh, touched upon yet? So I, I think the one thing that, um, you know, they didn't, t- they haven't touched on it so much in, in TV, but behind the scenes, the wearables aspect of this, okay. right? So the Fitbits of the world, sure. right? Fitbits, like a cute little novelty that like, you know. It's pretty ubiquitous. I mean, you see a lot of people with Fitbits these days. Right, you do. But that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, right? It's more about being able to calculate, you know, a, um, a runner's O2, right? Uh, you know, on demand and figure out what it is, you know, do they need to drink more water? They need to chill out, like how they train, like optimize training and all Mm -hmm. that. I mean, so, so the wearables and just kind of this advanced sports biometric industry that's there, that's underneath these Olympics that you just haven't seen yet. I think you're going to start to see these types of products at the higher level, right? You know, in, in, in professional sports, but what starts up there eventually trickles down to the masses. So I think once, it's empowering for people who want to be in shape and, and this and that. You know, I could see it being a, a, a much bigger uh, market. And that's there. the thing. If Fitbit Fitbit's at the stage that they are right now, if they can go from, you know, a pedom- pedometer and a heart rate monitor to some more advanced kind of biometrics, I think you're going to see some fantastic things come out of there. That's great. Well, Dave, I want to leave it there. This has been The Steady Investor, and we've been talking today with Dave Barso. I always screw up your name. How do I do this? I've known you for years now. Dave Bartosiak, who's a Zach strategist and market analyst with Zach's. Um, uh, I'm Mark Vickery. Uh, The Study Investor, by the way, is sponsored by Zach's Investment Management. And we'll be back next week. Uh, Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
Thank you for tuning in this week. Be sure to join Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery for another edition of The Steady Investor next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you haven't started your retirement plan yet, what are you waiting for? 